Davis. Welcome to My Strength and My Shield, a podcast about spiritual and self-care. My name is Nisi, and this is episode 40, Jealousy. I hope that this episode finds you well and enjoying your summer. And just as a heads up, this episode might be a little bit long because I'm feeling chatty today. <laughs> so consider yourself warned. And I'm here still on a high from Pinky Promise. Pinky Promise is the conference that I went to in Atlanta last weekend, hosted by Heather Lindsay. And on a whim, I decided to head down to Atlanta to go to this conference for millennial Christian women. And I was overwhelmed by the amount of women that were there. There were over 3,500 women in attendance, just beautiful black and brown Christ-centered women. The conference had different sessions, like one on marriage, on being single, on being an entrepreneur, eliminating debt, infertility, natural hair, health and fitness, just everything, everything that we could have talked about, everything that was relevant to our individual lives. And the weekend was just powerful. There's at least three hours of worship a day, and the main speaker this year was Sarah Jakes Roberts, who was amazing. It was a powerful, powerful weekend. And the work that I'm doing now is to make sure that I implement what I've learned. You know, it's easy when you're in that atmosphere to get close to God and talk to him and allow him to talk back to you. And God surely spoke to me in ways that had me in tears and at times even scared me when I realized the things that I've been called to do. But being back home, I have really had to install some of these things that I've learned by intentionally putting these things into practice. I have to fight to still be positive and warm even when the world gets on my nerves. And I have to fight to stay disciplined even when I feel lazy. And I have to fight for my mind, body, and spirit even though there's temptation everywhere. It is a constant battle, but I feel like the conference was, you know, to be honest, it felt like I was preparing for war. And I would encourage you to go to conferences as well, local or one that you have to travel to because conferences allow you to fellowship on a larger scale. You can network, make new friends, see people from all walks of life, and meet God in a different space. If you're a person waiting for a breakthrough or in need of inspiration, these large, and I will just put it out there, you want to make sure that it's reputable, you know? And for me, I chose this conference because I'd listened to the sermons by Heather Lindsay, by Sarah Jakes Roberts, and I knew that it was going to be a good conference, you know? But make sure that you go to these opportunities that you have. Don't be afraid to go by yourself. I went alone, and I actually, interestingly enough, ran into a friend that I haven't seen in 11 years. And she lives in Tennessee, and I'm in New York, and I have not seen her in forever. And God had a hand in reconnecting us, and we had lunch, and we went to some of the sessions together. And there were times where I was alone with God, and other times where I was fellowshipping with other Christians. It was powerful. I already have my tickets for next year, which will be in Miami. So if you went to Pinky Promise or you're planning on going next year, be sure to shoot me an email at strengthandshieldpodcast at gmail.com. That being said, if you haven't done so, please leave a rating on iTunes. Last time I checked, we were so close to 100 ratings and comments, you guys. Last time I checked, there was 97. And... If you love this podcast and the work that God is doing through me and the conversations that we have together, please leave a comment. Please leave a rating. You can be number 98, 99, number 100 that gets us to that milestone. It would help me to feel encouraged and let me know the things that you're interested in. And it also helps the podcast grow and reach more people. So go ahead, pause the episode right here, right now, and leave a comment or a rating. Leave a five-star rating and let me know your thoughts or, you know, what you want to see more of on the podcast. Let me know what you like so I can do more of it. And if you're a person that tunes into the podcast and you like it, but there's something else that you're looking for that's holding you back from leaving a rating, shoot me an email. Let me know more of the things that you want to hear because I get so many emails and comments through my Tumblr of how much people like the podcast. But sometimes I'm like, okay, go ahead and rate on iTunes because that shows me and shows everyone else how much you enjoy it. And sometimes there's like a, a, a lapse in people actually leaving ratings on iTunes. And I know people listen through different avenues. Some people listen through SoundCloud and other streams like that. But if you're able to, if you have an iPhone, go ahead, leave a rating. You know, let's get to 100. It's, it's an amazing milestone and I'm, I'm looking forward to continuing to grow with you. So shout out to the most recent people who left a comment on the podcast page on iTunes, and it's Tammy20182, 
Romain and B. Washington. Thank you so much for leaving a comment. It really helps the podcast grow. And also, it helps when someone flips to the podcast and they want to know, okay, what is this podcast about? When they read the comments and the lovely things that you say, it is so influential in somebody else's life. Also, I have some exciting news. I partnered with a company called The Daily Grace Co. If you've been following this podcast for a while, you know that I'm a big plan of planner, sorry, a big fan of planners and journals and Bible study plans. One of the companies that I love with the most beautiful planners and Bible study books and plans is The Daily Grace Co. If you're looking for some new tools to help you on your walk with Christ that are gorgeous to look at and useful to use and Nisi approved, look in the show notes or head to the website for the link. I have more information about the link on Instagram, which is at my strength and my shield, all one word. So many of you guys ask me for recommendations on tools to help in your walk and what Bible study plans I use and all of those questions that I get. Well, now you can go ahead and click the link and get what you need. Using this specific link helps the podcast grow as well because I get a percentage of your purchase and it doesn't change the price at all. The price is always the same. It just helps you to get the tools that you need and also helps the podcast grow. So head over to iTunes, sorry, head over to Instagram and you'll find the link or you can find it in the show notes for the podcast episode. Whew, I know that was a lot of information that I just tossed your way. So let's jump into this podcast episode where we're going to discuss the topic of jealousy. But as always, before we begin, if you could just close your eyes and lend me your spirit as we go forward in prayer. Dear Lord, thank you so much for the different ways that you allow the people in our lives to influence us and help us on our walk. A lot of times we might find ourselves wondering, where is God? Why is God not in my life? Why is God not talking to me? And then I realized that if I look around at the ways that people love and support me, I see God in the relationships that I have. I pray that as we move forward and we have conversations about jealousy, that we can learn the place that jealousy has in our life, the ways to handle it, and also how it affects the relationships that we have. I pray that as we have this podcast, which is a tool to have us grow spiritually, emotionally, and mentally, that this podcast, which is a tool, is something that we can use and implement in our lives. I want any person listening to this podcast not just to tune in because they like me or they like my voice or the things that I have to say, but because they're ready to do some work. I want them to walk away with some actionable items that they can change their life with. I want us to have the conversation so we can continue to grow and get closer to you. So I pray that you meet whoever is listening to this podcast exactly where they are. Maybe they're a person that struggles with jealousy. Maybe they're a person that doesn't think they have a problem with jealousy, but after we have the conversation, they might realize it's something they have to work on. Or they're a person dealing with the jealousy other people have towards them. There's so many ways that jealousy impacts us, and I want us to have that open and honest conversation. And the other thing, dear Lord, is I pray that whatever tools that a person gets from listening to this podcast, just like I was talking about when it comes to the conference, I pray that it's not just something that we listen to and we say, yes, yes, that works, that makes sense, I love it. But it's just something that goes from something we enjoy listening to to tools that we can actually implement in our lives. Allow us to get from this podcast something that changes us, something tangible that we can use moving forward. In this episode, I'll be talking about jealousy, but also I'll be talking about discipline. And I want to talk about the things that are tangible to help us become better people, better Christians, better people suited for the work you would have us do. So I ask you to just guide us, allow us to have open hearts and open minds, open eyes, so that we can see the things that we have to work on, and then also move forward with intention to work on all the things that we need to work on. The first part of this podcast is the spiritual care section. If you're new here, the podcast is split into three different parts the spiritual care section, the self-care section, and then I go ahead and answer a question that people send in to me. So going with the spiritual care and self-care section, I always try to have a worksheet for you guys so that after you listen to the podcast or even while you listen to the podcast, you can have a piece of paper that has the Bible verses we discussed and some of the tips from the self-care section. So if you're interested in that worksheet, something that you can have to make sure that you can reference in the future or something that has 
you engage with the podcast because you're looking at it while you follow along, go ahead to www.mystrengthandmyshield.com. There you'll find the PDF and it'll be something that's useful for you while you're looking at the podcast and also in the future. So I wanted to have this conversation about jealousy because it kind of was put onto my spirit that it's not really a conversation that we have in an honest way. You know, we're told don't be jealous, don't envy, don't cover your neighbor, pay attention to what's in front of you and all that jazz. But I think sometimes we don't actually talk about what jealousy means, right? Like, I think we talk about why we shouldn't be jealous, but we don't necessarily talk about the effects that it has on us spiritually when we're constantly envying what other people have. And we also, I think, both don't understand jealousy and also give undue weight to jealousy. And what I mean when I say that is that I believe that everybody has moments of jealousy. Even a person that doesn't think that they're jealous will have a moment where they'll look at somebody and be like, I wish I had that. Or that moment where you have your best friend that you loved for your entire life and she ten and she's the person that's your ride or die. And then one day she moves a little bit further ahead than you. And suddenly you're like, mm. And then it's like, where did that jealousy come from? And it hits you out of nowhere. So I believe that whether you're a person that acknowledges that you feel jealous or it sneaks up on you, jealousy has a place in our lives. And when it comes to that fact, I think that we have to talk about it in the same way that we talk about things like temptation and any other sin. It's a part of life. So demonizing the feelings that we have when we feel jealous and being like immediately, I shouldn't be jealous. God told me not to be jealous. I'm so stupid for feeling jealous. Why am I jealous? Why can't I just be grateful? That kind of negative self-talk talk doesn't necessarily solve anything. Understanding jealousy, understanding where it comes from, understanding that jealousy is often a sign that there's something that we have to work on, and then taking the steps to work through that jealousy so we can be productive. Because the thing about a lot of the negative emotions that we have, a lot of the things that we struggle with is that we can become so overwhelmed by the sin itself that we don't take the steps to work on it, okay? So that's what I wanted to talk about in this episode. I wanted to go a little bit deeper into jealousy. I know that I've answered questions in the past about don't be jealous and blah, 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 blah. But I wanted to talk to you about it in a little bit more of a real sense and talk maybe about my experiences with jealousy. Maybe there are things that you can relate to or maybe some of the Bible verses will kind of just hit you in a way that you think that maybe I should work on this jealousy issue that I have, okay? So when we're talking about jealousy, what do we mean? There is a difference between inspiration and jealousy. And when you're doing things like, for example, following people on Instagram, I would say be careful of who you're following on social media because there's a difference between following people because they inspire you and following them because it stirs up a negative emotion, a feeling of insecurity, a feeling of jealousy, a feeling of envy, a feeling of dissatisfaction with your own life. There's a difference between following Oprah because she has inspirational quotes and she makes you feel good when she has her little clips from the shows that she has and she's talking talking to different people like Ayanla and other celebrities and they're inspirational and it helps you to want to grow. That's something positive. Being inspired by other people, I think it's possible to want what somebody else has with the understanding that you, you admire it but you know that you have to get something on your own. Like you can be in awe of the glow that other people have or in awe of the blessings that they have. That doesn't necessarily mean the same thing as jealousy. Jealousy is a negative emotion that eats you from the inside out, okay? So the first Bible verse we're talking about is Proverbs 14, 14 verse 30. And it says, A tranquil heart gives life to the flesh, but envy makes the bones rot. A tranquil heart gives life to the flesh, but envy makes the bones rot. I want you to be cognizant of the physical ways that jealousy hurts you. That it's not just, God told you don't be jealous, so don't be jealous. Emotionally and physically, it can wear down on you to continuously envy what other people have. When you're inspired, you're uplifted, you're motivated, you feel productive. When you're jealous, you shut down, you have negative feelings. 
If you're a person that's jealous and you might see someone who has more than you and they're struggling, God might be calling you to do something good in their life and you won't do it because you're like, mm, they have enough. They could do it themselves. I don't have what they have, so they can figure it out. That kind of bitterness, that kind of loathing of other people's blessings, it will eat you from the inside out. And God wants us to live a life that is productive and healthy and positive. We're called to be a light. And it's important for you to remember that having a tranquil heart, when I read the words tranquil heart, what I think of is a heart that is content. Now, that doesn't mean the same as settling, right? You can be content with what you have and still want to have more. I'm not trying to tell you that you need to just be happy with what you have and forget what everybody else has. God will put excellence in your heart. God wants great things from you and for you. So if you're feeling like, there's something else that I want and I really want to achieve XYZ dream, go for it. But there's a way to be content with your life and also want more for yourself that doesn't require you to hate on other people. That doesn't require you to say, why don't I have what they have? And when you have that internal conversation about what other people have and that life isn't fair and why can't I have what other people have, not only does it show that you're being disrespectful to God for what you do have, but it shows a lack of understanding of the way that it affects you mentally and emotionally. So how do we deal with those feelings, those internal conversations that say, I wish I had what they had and my life is awful and why can't I look like her and why can't I do what she does and why can't I have what he has? You deal with that internal conversation by talking back. Get yourself into the habit that as soon as you have a jealous emotion, a jealous feeling, you talk back and say, I'm happy for them. And in the beginning, it might feel awkward because at first you're like, "Mm, I wish I had that. And then it's like, but you know what? I want to be happy for them. And you can pray about it. You can pray, God, I realize that I have some jealousy in me. I want to deal with it. Help me to be happy for people, even if they're doing better than me. You have to be careful of being the kind of person that's only happy when people below you do well, but when people above you do well. And again, this idea of who is more and less successful, a lot of it is arbitrary. So you might see someone else as more successful and they might be looking at you as you being more successful. But internally, we have this kind of hierarchy where I have this much, there's people that have less and there are people who have more. And of course, you can never know all the things that a person is struggling with. But when we decide that another person is more blessed than us, without realizing the blessings that we have, we're not able to add and give life to our own flesh. Give yourself a content heart. Give yourself the perspective that I'm happy for them. And while I can still be on the path to getting what's for me, okay? So don't just dwell in the flesh that wants you to be envious of what other people have. Have the internal conversation and stop yourself from those negative thoughts. Be like, Nisi, cut it out. You don't know what that person is going through. And today they're blessed and you want them to be blessed. You don't have to be the kind of person that's like, uh, they're not really happy. They might genuinely be happy. So be happy for them. It's okay. Being jealous of other people doesn't change your situation. It just makes life more difficult as you're trying to do what you have to do. Envy and jealousy makes your life more miserable. And while you're stewing and having this negative conversation with yourself, they're living their best life. Be happy for them. Be happy for them. Release that negativity you have because it will rot you from the inside out. So that's the first point. Jealousy wears at you and eats you from the inside out. The second thing is that jealousy distracts you from ordering your own life. In James 3, verse 16, it says, For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. Jealousy is not just a sin in and of itself. It is a sin that affects a lot of different facets in your life. So this Bible verse here is talking about the space that jealousy and selfish ambition occupies in our life. And be in, it's interesting, of, they talk about selfish ambition, right? Because jealousy is wanting what other people want, what, what other people have, and selfish ambition is wanting to achieve to glorify yourself. As Christians, you need to attach your ambition and your goals and growing and your glow up, your hashtag glow up, should be connected to glorifying God. 
So for me, I made the shift from being jealous of how other people look physically and being more fit. And, you know, I've talked about my struggles with weight and things like that. And I've changed it to being, I want to work on my body because it makes me feel good. I like being able to wear clothes that I am flattered in. I like feeling healthy. I like feeling like I'm in control of the things going on with my body. It is so important that when we have the goals that we set, we can still connect it to God. So me doing well at work is because I can advocate for more people and it allows for me to do the work that God has called me to do. Even me being healthy is allowing me to be in a position to do the work that God has me to do. Tie your ambition and the goals that you have. If you're, the goals that you have are just money and riches and success and you want to be perfect and have the perfect relationship, ask yourself, who does that glorify? That title that you're trying to get at your job, that degree that you're trying to get, are you doing it just for titles because you want to compete with the person next to you? It is clear from this Bible verse that for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. There will be disorder because you're not organizing your actions around God. And we know that anytime we do things in our life that's not centered around God, it gets chaotic. So when you're trying to achieve for the sake of achievement, when you're trying to be perfect just so that you can compete with the person next to you and show them that you're better than them, it creates disorder and dysfunction in all areas of your life because the motivation is off. If you're, you know, I've seen things on Instagram like the best the best revenge is living your best life and, you know, show your ex that you don't need them by living your best life. All kinds of, that motivation is selfish. You want to take care of yourself because you're, there's work to be done. You want to take care of yourself because being a loving, warm person feels good and being a bitter, cold person feels bad, okay? When you organize yourself around loving ambition and not being jealous, there will not be disorder. Everything will fall into place. When your motivations are right, when your motivations is not just because you want to be better than the next person, then you'll find order in your life. And you might be wondering how it's so difficult for you to get to the next phase of your life. And it could be because you're so focused watching other people live their life and being jealous. You're not motivating yourself from a positive space. You're motivating yourself from a space of jealousy and envy. And then it makes everything else in your life off center. Now, the next thing that I want you to remember about jealousy is that jealousy distracts us from our biggest commandment, which is to love. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 4 says, Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant. And I know, I know, we hear this Bible verse at every wedding. I actually, I, I don't know. I get so over hearing this Bible verse over and over again. Um, not because I don't think it's powerful, but because I think it's often misunderstood. And I think that we use it in the context of romance, but when we're talking about jealousy and envy, it should apply to all of the relationships that we have, which is the ones we have with friends, with strangers, and the people we have intimate relationships with, as in our partners. Jealousy, it's almost like the space in your heart is finite, okay? There, if you imagine a picture of the heart, you know, you have the two halves. And you have to ask yourself, what do you fill your heart with? When you fill your heart with envy and jealousy, there's no room for love. There's no room for you to be a loving, warm person that other people want to be around. Because fun fact, if you're a jealous person and the only thing you talk about is how much this person has and you don't have it and your life sucks because you don't have X, Y, and Z, nobody wants to be around that. That's not the sign of someone who is seeing life for what it is, appreciating what they have, and making strides to move forward. The jealousy and the hatred that you have inside of your heart, it permeates outward. People can feel your jealousy. They can feel the way that your face twists up when somebody else achieves. They can see from your reaction to when people are successful, and people don't want to be around that. When I, I have often have people write in about how do I make friends and I'm losing all my friends and, you know, I'm growing and they're not growing with me or they're growing and I'm not growing with them. I have been in this season of trying to be a warm, positive person. 
I am not an unpleasant person. I haven't, I'm not just this mean person, but I realize that there are times where I can have been moody and, you know, ungrateful and it comes out in who I am. I'm learning to be the kind of person who is patient and kind. That it's not just about me, it's about the love that we're called to give. Remember, the biggest commandment that we're given by Jesus Christ. I know that we have the Ten Commandments, but when Jesus comes and he gives us our instructions, one of the main biggest instructions is we are called to love. And when you're jealous of other people, there is not the space to be a loving, warm person. It's just not possible. To be envious of a person changes the way that we interact with them. They can feel it as well. And it makes other people feel uneasy around you. And I've had friends that I've had to distance myself from. Like I have a friend, and we were more recently, we actually had brunch together a couple of weeks ago. But I had to separate myself from her because she was constantly dogging people out because they were in relationships. Like it was clear that she wanted to be in a relationship, but she would say things like, oh, she's not that cute. How come she has a man? Or she even made comments like, because she's a tall girl herself, and she'd make comments about, you know, because my boyfriend is 6'5", and she'd be like, mm, you taking all the tall men. Why can't short girls just keep the boys that are 5'10 and under? And at first she would say it in a joke, but then it would get to the point where it's like, okay, bro, obviously I'm not just dating my boyfriend because he's tall, and why can't you just be happy for me? And that kind of negativity makes people not want to be around you. That kind of negativity closes you off from what God has from you. And that kind of negativity does not allow space for love. A lot of the things that I'm talking about, the fact that jealousy wears on you from the inside out, the fact that it distracts you from ordering your own life, and the fact that it distracts you from your biggest commandment, which is to love, it's all intertwined. Jealousy has a real impact on your life. It has an impact on your relationships. It has an impact on your ability to do the work that God has for you. And I want to be here to tell you that what God has for you is for you and envying other people doesn't bring you closer to God or to your purpose. Being jealous of other people does not bring you closer to God and it doesn't bring you closer to your purpose. And that's why you have people that are jealous of other people's success. And then when they get success, they're still miserable because their motivation was not to get closer to God. Order your steps in a way that, you know, I can think about all of the things that I have in my life and I really do try to connect it to God. And of course, I'm a human being. There are times where I'm just like, you know, I'm on this fitness journey and I'm like, why does the scale move so slow? <laughs> I work as a public defender, so sometimes I'm like, wow, I wish I was a corporate attorney. You know, I have these moments where I'm just like, oh, life is difficult. But I try to challenge those mindsets by counting my blessings. Life is too short to envy other people's lives. You only have one life to live. And the more jealousy you have in your heart, the further it pushes you away from God. That conversation you're having with yourself being jealous about another person's life is not a conversation that you're having to God, having with God. Envying other people doesn't glorify God. It glorifies yourself and your selfish emotions. And because it affects your relationships, because it affects your ability to move forward, you have to eliminate it. And you have to be intentional. Every time you have a thought pop into your head, push it out. If you're around other people, other friends, and you notice that the only time that you and your friends get together is to be petty and to make fun of other people, the issue is your friends, but the issue is always you. Why are you comfortable in that kind of environment? Why are you comfortable looking down on other people? Why are you comfortable hoping for the demise of other people that are just trying to do their best? You have to define success for yourself and be content with the blessings that you have and be motivated to get greater, not so you can flex on the gram, not so that you can step on other people and show them how good you are, not so you can show your ex, because none of that glorifies God. You think God is sitting up there saying, make sure you show your ex why he, why he doesn't have you? You think he's like, show that, show that other girl that you're better than her? No, not my God, not your God. Jealousy is a disease and it eats at you and it wears at you and it weakens you. And I want to arm you and give you the opportunity to check in with yourself. Are you a jealous person? 
check in with yourself because the areas of jealousy that you have, I think that we demonize jealousy, like I said before, and we see it as this huge evil thing. A lot of times jealousy just tells us what are the things that we need to work on. If you're jealous of what this other person's job is, maybe it's time for you to get your own advancement or get a different career. If you're jealous of another person's relationship, maybe it's time for you to work on your own heart so you can prepare yourself for the love that God has for you. If you're jealous of other people's money and success, number one, that's already an issue because just wanting money for the sake of wanting money doesn't glorify God. But if you're struggling and you're realizing that there are some choices you made that have impacted things like your financial stability and your debt, take some steps to deal with your debt so that you're no longer enslaved to this idea that all that you are is who is tied to who you owe money. Take the time to work on your jealousy. Check in with yourself. Understand the ways that it affects you mentally, emotionally, spiritually. And take the effort to intentionally prioritize love and support every time you have that jealous feeling. Part two of the podcast is our focus on self-care. And the topic for today is discipline. And you might want to get out a pen and paper because we're going to have a conversation that I think is going to be enriching. It's going to be a little bit of me sharing my personal journey and something that I hope that you can walk away from having something tangible to help you move forward with discipline as well. And discipline is something that I have really been working on. I was in a season where I was working hard. Um, I'd get to work, be there until the late hours of the night, get home exhausted, and then repeat for the next day. And God spoke to my spirit and told me two things on two different occasions. First, he spoke to my heart and said, you're working hard like it's a badge of honor. But I never asked you to work hard to the point of exhaustion. God specifically spoke to my heart and said, you are hardworking, but you are not disciplined. And I was like, wow, okay. <laughs> I work hard and I, you know, I got myself through law school and college and my job as an attorney. And God quickly said, no, you're not disciplined. And help me to understand there's a distinction between being busy and working hard and being exhausted and actually being productive and actually being disciplined. It's two separate things. And then the other moment that, you know, God hit me with the truth was I was praying for things like marriage and having kids and that he order my steps when it comes to, you know, me and my boyfriend were growing and things like that. And I encourage you, um, whether you're in a relationship or not, you can pray for things like marriage and kids. If God's put it onto your spirit, that that's something that you want. Um, and obviously marriage and kids is not for everybody, but if that's something that you want, whether you have a relationship that you're moving into that direction or you want to prepare your heart for those next steps, I encourage you to pray about it. Don't let other people make you feel bad that you're praying about marriage and kids. It's possible for you to be ambitious and, and living your own life and living your best life and still pray for marriage and kids, okay? Now, I'm not going to lie. When you're in a relationship, you can list the 50 different things the other person needs to do to get ready for marriage, and you can feel like you're just waiting on them to get themselves together. And God quickly checked me and let me know that he wastes no time and that I'm not just sitting here waiting for my boyfriend to propose to me. He said to me, you're here praying for kids and you can't even wake yourself up on time every day. How are you going to wake up some kids and have them organized and have an organized home and balance work and family when you can't even get yourself together? And God said he will not give me more than what I can handle. So until I show him that I can handle this life that I have right here, I'm going to stay where I am until I can show I can handle different responsibilities. And again, I was like, wow, I consider myself a responsible adult. I'm not a bum. I get to work. I do what I have to do, but I'm not disciplined. And I'm talking to you about this because a lot of people think that what makes someone successful is being motivated. They think if they say the right daily affirmation or they see the right quote on Instagram or ask the right person online, suddenly they'll hear the magic words and it will all click. And I'm here to tell you that the most successful people aren't the ones that are the most motivated. They're the ones that are the most consistent and disciplined. There are people that get up early rather than just rolling out of bed and rushing to work or school. They're the ones that have things like planners and organizers and have reminders on their phone and they plan out their day, plan out their week. They have vision. They see beyond tomorrow. They have to-do lists. 
And I have something written on my dry erase board that I remind myself of every day. I have a dry erase board on my door. And it says, do it not because you want to, but because it has to get done. Do it not because you want to, but because it has to get done. Rather than making big sweeping shifts in your behavior, practice getting to the habit of doing things that are good for you, whether you like it or not. It's not about motivation, because if your work and productivity depends on motivation, when you feel like it, you'll do it. And when you don't feel like it, you won't. Now, of course, motivation is how you do the work while feeling good about the work that you do. Motivation helps you not feel like it's torture, right? But motivation cannot be the only fuel in doing what you have to do. Some of it has to be habit. And for me, God told me to get up at 6 a.m., which is a huge shift for me because before I was getting up at 8 a.m. And he wanted me to get up early, not to work out or anything like that, but just to start the day earlier, just to get up where the first thing on my mind is not getting ready for work. The first thing on my mind is, let me get up, let me get myself in order, let me get my spirit and my mind right. So I've been waking up at 6 a.m. for the past two weeks, over two weeks at this point. It's been tough, I'm not gonna lie. There are days when I don't make it to bed as early as I would like and I don't get enough sleep, but I had to then change my bedtime. You know, if it's one o'clock in the morning and I'm like, man, I promised that I'd get up at 6 a.m. I had to just be disciplined and say, I'm getting up at 6 a.m. And what is the lesson? Tonight, I need to go to bed by 11. I, it, now my body is starting to regulate. And one of the greatest achievements of last week is when my body naturally woke me up at 5.55. And I was like, man, I'm getting into this habit of waking up at 6 a.m. So I wanted to, you know, I said get out a pen and paper. Of course, you can use the PDF that I, I put onto the website. But I wanted to give you some tips to, or some tangible things that you can do to help you be more disciplined, some habits to do every day. And when you get into the habit of doing small things, it helps you to be disciplined in all things. Because getting up at 6 a.m. and the other commitment I made is to work out at least 20 minutes a day, even on the weekends. Um, so I don't work out at 6 a.m. I typically work out on my lunch period, lunch period, I'm not in school, my lunch break, or as soon as I get home. It's helped me to be disciplined in all other areas of my life. So the first habit that you should you know, consider doing every single day is express gratitude. Whether it's a gratitude journal or just time every day at the same time to be grateful, spend 10 minutes writing what you're grateful for. This helps to maintain happiness, but also pushes you to remember that life is short, too short for you not to be doing what you have to do. Now, as you know, in the last episode, I did mention that the, the journal I use is the Happier Mind Journal for my gratitude journal. Still using it, still loving it, been using it for 21 days. So I guess I've been doing the 6 a.m. thing for three weeks. Um, still using it, still loving it. I'm not sponsored at all, but I just love the, the journal, and I, I think you should pick it up as well. So every day, whether it's first thing in the morning or right before you go to bed, take time to write what you're grateful for. Now, the second thing is set goals every day. At the start of the day, think of three things that you want to accomplish. Now, these goals can be small, okay? The goal doesn't have to be today, get a promotion and be the best person at my job because that's something that's big and not necessarily 100% in your control, right? Like, it would be nice to get a promotion, but you can't march into your boss's office and say, I'm gonna punch you in the face unless you promote me, okay? So for today, my goal was to record the podcast, to go to church, and to go to the gym. Short, to the point, things I can do in a measurable, tangible ways. And I write this down in my to-do list, but you can also use your phone to set reminders or your calendar. And your goals could even be, make sure I take my vitamins today. Be kind to two people today. Start reading that book you've always meant to read. Three small goals every day that you accomplish gets you into this habit of visualizing your day and also that, that feeling of satisfaction when you accomplish what you set out to do. Okay, so like I said, the goals, make sure they're things that are within your control um, because goals that rely on other people are difficult to measure. So focus on three tangible small goals every single day and then have that checklist at the end of the day so that you know that you've accomplished those things. The next thing is eat healthy. Now, I know you knew this was coming. I'm not a nutritionist or a dietitian, but I have learned about the health of my body and 
that there is times that I have to do what my body needs even when I don't feel like it. And I think the reason why I've always struggled with my weight is that I focus way too much on the emotional connection that I have to, you know, not working out or emotionally eating whatever I want. Eating like crap makes me feel like crap and leads to health issues in the future. And you don't need a fancy trainer or eating plan. I'm not here to push. I'm not even going to tell you the ways that I've eaten um, to, to lose the weight that I have. But be mindful of what you put in your mouth. Don't just heap your plates with food. Eat something small and then get something later if you want to. Drink lots of water and get into the habit. Here's something that I really had to learn. Get into the habit of saying no thank you when people offer you food that you know that isn't good for you. Now this is a big one for me because I work in an office where someone is always baking something or they had a party and they leave the leftovers in the kitchen. And you might think it's rude to turn food down. It's not. Just have your prepared answer and get into the habit of giving it the same every time. A simple no thank you is fine. You don't need to shout, girl, I'm on a diet, or lie to them, or, you know, you can just say, I'm good, thank you, though. Eat leafy greens, cut back on carbs, eat like you love yourself. And as a person who struggles with food and weight, if you have unhealthy eating habits, a therapist or a nutritionist can be great to help you build these healthy eating habits. And with that, also try to get moving every day. It could just be a long walk or it could be, you know, working out, going to that gym that you haven't been going to. I have been working out for 20 minutes a day, even when I don't feel like it. So that means last, you know, there was a day last week when I was sitting on my bed at 10 p.m. not doing anything. And I got up and I went for a run. I could have avoided it by, you know, I, I meant to go at lunchtime, but the day got away from me. And I could have just ended the day and say, I'll do it tomorrow. But I got up and I said, no, I said 20 minutes. I owe myself those 20 minutes. So eat healthy and move. Not here to shame you or to say that your body has to be perfect. I'm not here to, to, to tell you to be snatched for the summer. I'm saying do what feels good to your body. Take care of yourself. The fourth thing is make time for proper sleep. Don't just fall asleep. Prepare yourself for sleep. Give yourself a bedtime and then give yourself a blackout time. And for me, blackout time is the time before going to bed where you don't pick up your phone, you don't watch TV, and you're not on your laptop. 30 minutes to an hour before bed, begin to wind down. Take a cold shower, which people, you know, studies have shown that a cold shower actually helps you feel sleepy because the process of your, mo your body warming up helps you to fall asleep. Take time to pray or meditate. Spray some lavender spray on your pillow, which is calming and helps you fall asleep. Check off the things that you've accomplished for today. Reflect on the day. Set your alarm. That um, What I've started to do is instead of having my alarm be set to uh, just the, the alarm sound like, eh, 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 I set it on my phone to one of my favorite songs. So when I wake up in the morning, I wake up singing. And it sounds corny, you know, like to wake up singing like a Disney princess or something, but it makes my whole day different. And that's a part of my ritual at nighttime is to play that song when I wake up so I feel good to the start of my day and make sure I set my alarm at night. I mean, currently the song that I have is In the Name of Jesus, which is off Snoop Dogg's gospel album, which I said I love. So, you know, prioritize sleep. Get into the habit of not just being exhausted and falling into bed. Be intentional with everything, including the time that you make to fall asleep. It's not an afterthought. Be intentional with the sleep that you have. And the fifth thing is, not just plan for the day, plan for the week. Get into the habit of not just planning out the individual days, but having the vision for the entire week. It's the way you avoid a busy day from happening and springing up on you or having an assignment that you didn't know about if you're in school. Get a planner or a calendar. Pick one day a week to just sit and look at the week. For me, it's Sunday. So before I go to bed, I think about the week that I have ahead. Okay, it's, ask yourself, is this a busy week? Do I have free time that I can use wisely? Is Friday going to be busy so maybe I should get ahead of it on Tuesday? Getting into the habit of having a vision allows you not, to not get overwhelmed by any one individual day, okay? Again, you can use your planner, you can use your phone, whatever it takes to make sure that you are organized and also have a vision for the week. Get into the habit of once a week picking a day to look ahead. And then point number six or tip number six is prioritize time management. You know what wastes time. And you know the times when you're most productive. Plan your day around that. 
So for me, I know being on Tumblr wastes my time. <laughs> and I know I'm most productive in the morning because when I'm in court all day, when I get back to my office, it is so hard for me to get back into the rhythm of doing work because I'm distracted, I'm annoyed, I just came back from lunch, I don't want to do any work, it was a long day. So I try to organize myself where, you know, because by the afternoon I'll drag my feet on the, the smallest things. The simplest tasks feel like pushing a rock up a mountain when it's the end of the day and you don't feel productive. So I do big things at the beginning of the day. And then I also limit when I'm on Tumblr to when I'm traveling to and from work or when I have downtown downtime in court when I'm waiting for a case to be called and, you know, or when I'm working out. Like I try not to be distracted by social media when I'm actually sitting down to do work, but I allow myself to kind of fool around on it in between the tasks that I have to do. The point is I'm just intentional with my time. And if you head to the website, which is www.mystrengthandmyshield, I found this graphic to help you with time management, and I found it at Wonderlust Worker, and I'll insert it on the website so that you can have it. And it separates time into four parts. One is the time that you manage, two is time to focus, three is the things that you avoid, and four are the things that you limit. So the first thing you manage are your short-term crisis and uh, problems. These are the things that are important and urgent. They take top priority. They need to be handled immediately. The second kind of time is the time when you have to focus. And this is for long-term strategic goals. They're important but not urgent. So as opposed to the crisis and short-term problems that have to be dealt with right now, these long-term goals need a little bit of a stamina to deal with. So you need that focus to deal with it in the long term. It's important but not urgent. The next thing are the things that you avoid, which is distractions and interruptions. There are things in your life that are kind of a distraction from your main goal, but you have to deal with them because they come up and they disrupt things. These things are urgent, but not important. They're urgent, you need to deal with them, but understand they're not as important as, as the things that have to get done right now. But you do need to deal with them because they'll continue to distract you from your other goals. And then the next thing is you limit the time-wasting activities. These are the things that are neither important nor urgent. When you have these time-wasting things, even if they're for your enjoyment, make sure that you're prioritizing time management so you can be in control. If you're wasting time, like there are days when I just want to watch garbage television, I set time for that. I allow myself to watch garbage or to catch up on old shows or to watch a movie I've been meaning to watch or to hang out with friends. Oh, that's not a waste of time. Hanging out with friends is not a waste of time. But I am intentional. I know that I'm hanging out with my friends because I want to catch up with them and it's a part of self-care to be connected to other people. I know that I need to work on my Tumblr because it's my opportunity to reach out to other people, but also sometimes it, it, it wastes time. So any time that you spend, just be intentional with it. Don't let hours and minutes of the day slip away. Know the things that are short-term crisis and problems. Know the things that are long-term strategic goals. Know the things that are distractions and interruptions. And know the time-wasting activities. At the end of the day, there are some standard habits that you can have that affect the other habits that if you're disciplined in one area, it can help you in another. Charles, Charles Duhigg, author of The Power of Habit, calls these habits keystone habits. They are correlated with other good habits. For example, regular exercise often goes hand in hand with better eating. Now these keystone habits don't create a cause and effect relationship, but they can spark the chain of reactions that helps one good habit take hold with other ones. So that's what I'm saying is that there are things that you can do like simply doing any of the six things that I mentioned, you'll find that it's easier to be disciplined at work when you are disciplined with your eating and working out. Or you'll find that you're more disciplined if you wake up on time, it is easier for you to make time for the different time management that you often find that there's not enough time in the day. Let's prioritize discipline. Let's not just exhaust ourselves and then brag to others about how hard we work and how little sleep we get. Our God is a God of order, not chaos. And the more organized we are, the more in line with where, where we are and we're in more of an opportunity to discover our purpose. I'm telling you that being organized and having things structured is not just something that comes naturally to most people. Ordering your steps allows you, when you do things automatic, when you're on functioning in a way that it's about habit, you don't have to use that mental energy to convince yourself to do X, Y, and Z thing. 
the issue with not being disciplined is that it ends up taking you twice as long to do something that you have to do. When you're not disciplined, you have to first give yourself the energy to motivate yourself and then the energy to do the task. But if you get to the point where if you don't eat right, you feel off. So your habit is, your standard is eating right. And if you slip up, it doesn't feel right. So you automatically want to get back to it. In a healthy way, not in an obsessive way, but you know, it just don't, it doesn't feel right if you haven't gotten your run in for the week. Or it doesn't feel right when you wake up late instead of on the time that you set for yourself. Get into the habit of making certain things automatic because when things are automatic, it frees your mental space up to do the things that are challenging. Get to the place where waking up on time is not a challenge, working out is not a challenge, eating right is not a challenge. There are tons of other challenges that you're going to have to face in life. Challenges as you're discovering your purpose and you're building relationships and things like that. Free your mind for the ability to do those things that you're called to do by making things that should be automatic, that should be mundane, should be automatic. Take care of those habits. Make Instill those good habits so that the challenges that you face, you have the energy to do what God has you do. I wanted to go ahead and answer a question that was sent in to me. If you have a question that you'd like to be answered on the podcast, you can always shoot me an email at strengthandshieldpodcast at gmail.com, all one word. And if you shoot me an email, that increases the chances that your question will actually be read and handled on the podcast. But I also get messages that people send me through Your Big Sis Nisi, which is my Tumblr. So it's Y-O-U-R-B-I-G-S-I-S-N-I-S-S-I. The question that I'll be talking about today was not necessarily sent for the podcast, but I read it and I felt like, you know what? We need to have a little chat, okay? So here's the question. Nisi, I don't know what to do. I'm just realizing how badly I treated my girlfriend. She was there for me through so much. When I couldn't walk, when I yelled at her. I messed up and put my hands on her a couple times. I thought when she left me, she wouldn't move on so fast and I'd be the one to move on before her. But seeing her move on is killing me. Do you think there is anything I can do to get her back? Now, before I give you my answer, you know, you're listening to this podcast and maybe you follow the blog or you've listened to a couple of episodes. What do you think I'm going to say? Because the question here is, do you think there's anything I can do to get her back? Seeing her move on is killing this person. Here's my response, and I'm going to go into a little bit more detail. I said, you deserve the pain that you feel watching her move on. Leave her alone. You are being selfish as hell right now. You treated her wrong, you abused her, and she deserves freedom from you. And you only want her back because you're controlling and you want to own her. If you really loved her, you would want her to have better than you. Leave her alone. The reason why I wanted to address this question is both for the person who has hurt someone else and wants to be back in that person's life, and also the person who has been mistreated and who keeps having that ex knock on their door. I am going to tell you this right now. There are people that are not right for you, that are no good for you, that will not take themselves out of your life. They will not wake up one day and say, you know what, you deserve better than me. Even the people that say you deserve better than me expect you to be the one to say, you know what, you're right. Let me leave this relationship. There is a certain breed of person who will literally use you up and try to throw you away. Now, in this situation, I am thanking God that this woman left whoever wrote this message. Because what happens more often than not is that a person will be abusive and use you up and then leave you like you are the person in the wrong. Understand that it is up to you to cultivate a space of support and love. Because people are inherently selfish. You're selfish, I'm selfish. You need to make sure that you put you first. Prioritizing your spiritual, mental, and emotional well-being is a form of self-preservation. Because there are people who will use you up and toss you away. 
But beyond that, the writer of this question casually said, I messed up and put my hands on her a couple of times. A couple of times. You say it so casually. The first time you put your hands on somebody is unacceptable. You, if you are a person that has anger issues, that has emotional issues, go to therapy, leave people alone. You are not entitled to the space people have for you in their lives. You should see any person that has a relationship with you as a privilege, something to be cherished. It is so hard for people to be open and vulnerable. And if someone chooses to be vulnerable with you, celebrate that and cherish it. You are not entitled to the space that people give you. It is a blessing to be in somebody else's life. If you cannot handle the blessing, leave them alone. Period. I'm talking to the person who maybe isn't abusive, but maybe is just negative to the point where it drags other people down. Take yourself away from other people. Do not drain people. If you are toxic, if you have issues, if you need to work things out, go to therapy, sort it out. Don't be a burden on other people. Now, if you're a person that is both loving and also needs support, that's not being a burden because you're still pouring into people while you have the expectation that they pour into you. And there's going to be times when you just need support, period. If there's a death in the family, that might not be the space for you to need to pour into other people. But at that point, when you hit a crisis, you get the support of other people because you've been so supportive to them. You can't be a person that is sucking at people, sucking their energy, sucking their positive vibes. And then when you need help, be surprised when nobody's around. If you have hurt somebody, you are not entitled to their forgiveness. The space that they create for you is a privilege and any forgiveness that you get is a blessing and something to be cherished. The problem that I have with the person that wrote this letter is that what kills them is not how badly they mistreated this person. What kills them is that they did not expect this person to flourish. And that is such an evil thing. Not only did you hurt her and damage her to the point where she had to run away, but when you see her thriving, it doesn't cause you to look at your own examples. All you can think about is how much you want to own her again. It is disgusting. This is the exact mindset of someone who is abusive. Emotionally abusive, physically abusive. Their mindset is, I have to have her. I don't care about her happiness. If you're the kind of person that has an ex and you're bitter about the fact that they've moved on, it's not as extreme as the person who wrote in this question, but it's still something that you need to manage. It's okay to want other people to be happy. Other people's happiness does not take away from your own happiness. You don't have to wish your ex to be bad, especially when the only thing that they did is decide that they deserve better than you. That's not a reason to be bad at them. Don't call your ex an F-boy because they couldn't deal with your attitude 24-7 of, um, out of the day. Your, your, your ex-girlfriend is not the B-word just because she decided she deserves better than you. Allow people to flourish. Either be a part of their flourishing or step away when you realize that you inhibit their ability to flourish. Don't be the kind of person that someone has to run away from in the night because they're afraid of your toxic energy. Check yourself. Heal yourself. Analyze and, and the relationships that you have and recognize, even if it's a friend who texts you from time to time, the things that are going on in their life, they are choosing to be vulnerable and open with you. Do not throw that away. Cherish that. The space that people create for you in their heart, that's something that you need to pray about. Pray that you don't take advantage of other people. Understand that we're selfish and pray that you don't do anything to continue any harm for anybody. This, this message that I received got me so upset. Be, not because it's the extreme case, but because I know how it escalates from that into continued abuse. And if you're a person who's dealing with abuse, understand that it gets worse. A lot of times people are abusive and they test you. They start off with being um, emotionally abusive, verbally abusive, and they escalate to physical. And a lot of people end up losing their lives.
Protect yourself from these people. Nobody deserves to be mistreated. But if you're listening to this podcast, you're here for some spiritual and self-care. Eliminate the people in your life who do not cherish you, who do not cherish the intimacy you bless them with. You are a blessing. You are precious. Just like the people who love you are a blessing, you are a blessing to other people. And if you're currently in a domestic abuse situation, you can call the domestic violence hotline at 1-800-799-7233. That's 1-800-799-7233. Because people will abuse you. There's a lot of evil in this world. And nobody deserves it. But nobody's going to protect you like you will. So that's it, beloved. We're at the end of another episode, episode 40. I feel like that's some kind of milestone that here we are having done 40 episodes. If you aren't caught up, this might be a chance to check out the other 39 episodes. Go ahead and leave a comment and a rating on iTunes if you enjoyed this conversation. We talked about everything in this episode, talking about jealousy, but then also discipline, but then also cultivating your circle and and protecting yourself from people who suck you dry. It's been a long, long episode, but I hope that it's been fulfilling. I'm hoping that sharing some of the more vulnerable thought processes and growth that I'm going with is inspirational to you. So make sure if you're listening to this episode, talk back to me. Shoot me an email at Strength and Shield Podcast. Check out the Instagram, which is at My Strength and My Shield, or the Twitter, which is MSMS Podcast. There are so many ways for us to interact, so many ways that the podcast is growing. I'm praying that you're getting as much out of this podcast by listening as I am with recording each and every episode. I'm praying that between now and the next episode, you take some of these tools and tips about discipline, you handle the jealousy that you have, and you focus on yourself. Because, beloved, there's work to be done. And God wants you to focus on these things because life is way too short to be stressed out by other people's lives or other people's expectations or other people's failures and shortcomings. It's time to focus on you. God wastes no time. And this is a part of the process. Listening to this podcast is a process of your growth. And I'm so proud of you for sticking it out all the way to the end. Until the next episode, take care, beloved.